Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, covering the Laval Rocket and Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And I'm joined, of course, every week by the one and only, the guy that I could not do this show without, uh, my fabulous co-host, our founder and editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports Media, Rick Stevens. How are you today? Fabulous. Just fabulous. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not really. Just, just fabulous. Well, you know, while, while um, NHL players are, are um, in Turks and Caicos yeah, right? recharging their batteries, then um, you know, it gives us an opportunity to recharge and 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 uh, do some well needed maintenance to the websites and that's good that that doesn't sound like Turks and Caicos that sounds like we're still working yeah 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 Mm. Mm -hmm. okay I see I'm trying to make it I'm trying to make myself feel better (laughs) (laughs) I was feeling so good today that I reached out to our dear friend uh, Joseph Whalen, who is still under a nine-foot snowdrift, um, I now maybe the state of emergency is has been lifted, um, but I know that that businesses and schools and everything were still closed in the beautiful city of St. John's, who had just a, a mega blizzard over the weekend. They did. Um, yeah, some of the pictures pictures and videos of the the snowfall and the drifting and the it, it just just unbelievable yeah um but yeah i was feeling very um i don't know charitable so i reached out to him and said he's got a real bad he's got a um he's had problems with his his fantasy hockey team and i feel sorry for the poor lad um and especially being buried in snow i know he's got nothing else to do but to ruminate over his his uh, the state of his fantasy hockey team is lost and, all the, and he can't and use all any the injuries that he had blizzard and yeah whatever he, no excuses he got beat just barely oh, I was, he, he tried to make a good show of it I beat him six to five last week oh did you I, yeah yes I did yes I did yeah I, I I just said you know if you need any help I've I've got some extra players and and uh, oh, so did we'll you see, know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens did you know if if he comes if he comes through with a a, a fair trade offer you know really isn't that mighty big of you <laughs> it's just really mighty mighty big of you um let me see something here um Oh, well, you know what? What's that? Funny because you know, you can you can feign the charity all you want, but I also happen to know that um next week you and I are matched up against each other. Really? So maybe you're just trying to stock the store in advance of next week under the guise of you're trying to help poor Joseph Whalen. Well, listen. Um, I have a bit of a, a goaltender <laughs> bias, and and actually, if if any of our fellow managers in the All Habs uh, Fantasy Hockey League uh-huh. one are um, are listening, I I I have a bit of a bias. I chose wisely 
when mm-hmm. we drafted, and I have four superb goaltenders, all yeah. in all performing um, at their peak. And uh, really, so I'm I'm willing to to you know share the wealth, as it were. Um, really, one of those goaltenders away. Um, it's going to wow. take a lot. It's going to take an awful lot to to move uh-huh. them. But um, yeah, willing willing to do that. Mighty big of you. It's mighty, mighty big of you. So we'll see. I managed to defeat Joseph last week. We'll see. Um, I'm up against. I don't know who I'm playing this week. Um, I'm playing the commission oh, this I'm week. Oh, I'm playing Shane. I'm, I'm playing Shane this week. All right, Shane. Who are you? Shane, you're in the crosshairs, buddy. I'm on a roll. Joseph Whalen, defending champ, went down last week. Currently up four to two on you this week, Mr. Shane. Give it, uh, bring your best. Here we go. Uh, but very glad to hear that uh, Joseph Whalen and family and company uh, all made it through the blizzard okay. We actually, um, I'm sure you'll all be, I'm sure folks like Joe will be and the rest of my Canadian listeners here will be pleased to know that um, I had my first shovelable snow on Saturday of the season. Was it 75, <laughs> 80 centimeters that were, um, you know, drifting uh, no, by I... 135 kilometer an hour winds? No, I uh, had about three inches of snow, maybe. Okay. Three inches of snow. It was the first time this, this season that... Uh, which is actually, I, I will admit that it's, we usually get a snowstorm in November and usually at least one in December. And we just, for some reason, didn't this year. So this was the first uh, snow that my husband and I were out shoveling the driveway. So uh, very powdery, light, three inches of snow. It was a backbreaker, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> Heart bleeds. <laughs> I know. Entire, <laughs> the entire sympathy of... of... All 35, 36 million Canadians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Move to the Mid-Atlantic. It's beautiful here. Um, well, we'll see how fantasy hockey continues continues to go. Um, I'm sure you are. You had a good weekend because the Green Bay Packers lost. The, they're, they're the dirtbag team of the NFL. They're, they're just <laughs> like the Boston Bruins. I mean, really. Seriously, really? if we're going to get down to it. Really? Really. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Exactly like okay, the Boston then. Bruins. Okay, then. <laughs> Moving right along, uh, we do have a pretty uh, pretty outstanding show coming up today. We've got uh, plenty of talk about the Laval Rockets and their uh, weekend back-to-back road trip that they took to Manitoba this past weekend. It was, uh, I think they had a little snow out there as well. Uh, So we're going to break that all down, as well as the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We were actually uh, in the PPL Center uh, covering the Phantoms game on Friday night against the Binghamton Devils. I almost said Senators again, but I caught myself. Um, Against the Binghamton Devils. So we'll talk about um, what we saw that evening. Actually, we uh, and I I also then covered uh, the Saturday night game against Rochester as well. So... um, yeah, it was a busy weekend. I covered 
four AHL games in three days this weekend. So uh, if you're if you think you're not getting good coverage on on AHL report, they haven't been paying attention. My goodness. Uh, so we'll talk about how the Phantoms looked. Uh, we also spoke to uh, a number of players and Coach Gordon after the game on Friday. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, those conversations as well. In the second segment, we're going to go around the AHL. Reveal who the AHL Player of the Week is. Give you a little preview to the and last-minute changes for the AHL All-Star Weekend, which is coming up. Uh, the NHLers might already be uh, on their breaks, but uh, the AHL still has plenty of hockey to play this week before their All-Star festivities get underway. Um, and then in the final segment, we go beyond the AHL. It's got a little update to that continuing saga happening in Trois Rivières uh, regarding the, you know, dun dun dun. Will the Canadians have an ECHL affiliate next year? Well, there's a new chapter to the story. We're going to brief you on that, and we'll tell you where you will find us in a rink near you this weekend with uh, your weekly coverage preview. So, lots to talk about today. And it's and it's almost National Pie Day. Shut up! No, it's not. I it thought is. you. I thought. I, I I thought that we've determined that you have to take a full year off of National Pie Days <laughs> because you have so many of them. It's National Pie Day on January twenty third. Hmm. Uh, now there's National uh, Cherry Pie Day. There's National Blueberry Pie well, Day. See, there's National just, Apple Pie Day. The problem. That is the problem. Um, but um, no, officially, National Pie Day was created by the American Pie Council. I'm, of course, on the Canadian Pie Council. Uh, <laughs> was in 1986. Not on the Global Pie Council. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. Um, yeah. The Global Pie Congress getting together. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Is that um, an electable position, or, or are you just. Appointed. Yes, appointed. It's <laughs> it's on consumption. It's based on consumption of pie. I see. But yes, it was um, uh, created in 1986 to commemorate Crisco's 75th anniversary of serving pie. <laughs> yes, because nothing says pie like Crisco. Uh-huh. Shortening, my goodness! I don't use shortening for my pie crust. Don't use it. Use butter, real butter. Mm. So on the twenty third, check with. There's a list on on the National Pie Day um, uh, website, but there's a list of uh, a long list of of locations, and they may be near you. Um, uh, that are giving away free pie. For example, uh, Norma's Cafe <laughs> in Denver, free slice of mile high pie while supplies last on giant January 23rd. If well, you know I'm, nowhere, I'm nowhere near Colorado. So check. check. All right, I'll check. Check at, uh, the pie locations near you. You may be entitled to free pie. I'll check. Uh, I I saw um, our very good friend, uh, Melvin, in case you don't know who Melvin is, he's uh, mm-hmm. the mascot for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Um, and aside from what's you... He, what's he, he called? 
the a blood, puck, blood. a puck nosed plododdle. Yes, okay. That's what he is. Because people look at Melvin and they say, "What is he supposed to be? Like he's not a he's not a bird. He's not a dinosaur. He's not a no. He's a puck nosed plododdle." Hmm. But aside from you, he's the biggest popcorn aficionado that I know. <laughs> um, and and so Melvin Melvin mentioned earlier this week that I think this past Sunday was National Popcorn Day. So oh, I, I no. know I don't know if you made it or not. I don't know if I you had any popcorn recently anywhere. Gonna have to make would... up for it. Really. Mm. It's probably what. Uh, well, I mean, I had my usual consumption of popcorn, but I didn't have the special allocation that was for National Popcorn Day. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, as Melvin says, um, the the number one rule of popcorn is that you have to share. And for Melvin, <laughs> yeah, and he, and he share, yeah, he dumps it on people. He does dump it on people, but the video that I saw that he put out, um, he sat down in the seats at the PPL Center and. And was literally like passing around his popcorn bucket and sharing it with everyone, all the all the fans sitting around him. And then, as ushers and other people would walk by, he would throw popcorn at them. So he was sharing. Mm. He was sharing very nicely. Um. Yes, we love Melvin. We'll see Mel. We'll get to see Melvin and all of the other mascots. Uh, up to all of their usual shenanigans at the AHL All-Star Weekend in California uh, Sunday and Monday, so I'm sure I'm sure there will be popcorn involved. Jerseys are out for the All-Star game. Could, okay. I will <laughs> I will pay I will pay so much money for anyone to hire a jersey designer anywhere in the world who can create an all-star jersey that does not look like either a garbage bag or a pile of vomit. Sorry, AHL, but like the only, the only ones of the AHL ones that I like are the central division, which are white. They're kind of like crisp and clean looking. The North has this like powder blue. The Atlantic is, gray and the pacific i think is what black black yeah yeah it's like, oh wow look at this so you've got white black and gray and then you've got the north division over there in blue <laughs> which doesn't make any sense to me at all and the nhl oh, oh the nhl all-star jerseys are absolutely hideous and speaking of colorado and norma's mile high pie I don't know what in God's name the Avs or the Kings, for that matter, were thinking with their new stadium series jerseys, but woof. Oh, my Lord. They're, they are just hideous. Like, do you people actually want to make – does anyone want to make money by selling these? Because I feel like we're, we're going in the opposite direction. Well, the Colorado ones, add, as, as oh. I've said, look like you're a member of the clergy when um... – that, it looks that like little, they have a little cape over their little shoulders. Little cape, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, ugh. 
Kale McCarty's got this look on his face like, hey, look at what I'm wearing. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not. And, and the Kings jerseys aren't that much better. And the NHL All-Star jerseys are just, they're just boring. They're boring. Well, and those stripes, those, those, um, no, the, the, the staff, I guess, is what they're referring to, the musical staff. Oh, yeah. um, that, it just makes them look amateurish. Well, they do. Like, I don't know. We will talk about all-star stuff more in the next segment, but blech. don't like them. But before we talk about all-star things... Uh, there's still hockey being played in the AHL, and there's lots of hockey coming up this week. So let's let's start, since we're talking about snow and cold weather, let's start in balmy Manitoba, um, where the Laval Rocket found themselves for a back-to-back, back-to-back matinees, which was interesting. Um, 3 o'clock Eastern starts, so 2 o'clock local time starts. Uh, for Saturday and Sunday this past weekend for Laval. Um, now, remember, they had they were coming off of their first of two, three, and three weekends uh, on the road the, the previous week, of which they dropped their last two. They got shut out against Lehigh Valley, and then they went to Bridgeport and got completely steamrolled by um, the second-to-worst, second-to-last worst team in the league. Uh, so coming off of that, um, they headed to Manitoba. Now, yet again, reinforcements showed up uh, because, oh, look at that, another NHL contract dumped into Laval because, surprise, surprise, Matthew Pekka got sent down. So add just add Pekka to the tally of – NHL contracts that are currently taking up space in Laval. And you've got all the makings for an AHL team that should be able to make a push for the playoffs. Uh, and as we spoke about last week, maybe that's, maybe that is, is the goal over everything else at this point in the season for the Canadians and their farm team. Um, so Saturday um, they came out uh, really strong against Manitoba um, and Manitoba's had a decent season, but they're towards the bottom of, of the Atlantic division as well. Um, but, but the Atlantic division is pretty tight. So um, don't let their, their placement in the standings fool you. Um, and interestingly enough, instead of starting Mikhail Burdine, who's played the bulk of, of the games for Manitoba in the crease, they started Eric Comrie uh, and Caden Primo, Another interesting aspect, you know, Joel Bouchard's been alternating goaltenders all season long. Uh, if you remember, last Sunday in Bridgeport, Primo had the start, uh, but got pulled in less than 10 minutes of the first period because he gave up three goals. Um, so Keith Kincaid went in and finished that game. So I, I don't know if it's because Kincaid played the bulk of that game or because they wanted Primo to try to get right back out on the ice, but instead of Kincaid starting first in Manitoba as the alternation would have had uh, Primo got the start again. Uh, And um, you know, Manitoba looked a little tentative. It's the first time these two teams have played each other this season. um, And it took a little while to get going, but Manitoba was having a lot of trouble solving Laval's defense. 
um, barely getting, I mean, they got 17 shots on goal in the entire game, uh, as opposed to Laval's 36. Um, and Eric Comrie didn't look terrible, but he didn't look great. Uh, Caden Primo had some nice saves, but he wasn't, I mean, 17 shots for the game. He wasn't tested all that much, uh, let's be honest. Uh, and, and Laval's defense was just really solid that day. And, and Laval walked away with a three to nothing shutout. That is Caden Primo's third shutout of the season. So uh, stick tap to him for that. Um, and so then the next day, um, they turn around, same 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 bat time, same bat channel, another uh, matinee game in the afternoon, and this time Manitoba was ready for them. Um, and uh, Mikhail Berdeen was in goal, Keith Kincaid was in goal, and it was like a tale of two different teams. Um, Manitoba dominated Laval in this game. Um, Despite Laval again vastly outshooting them 41 to 23, uh, so the Moose got 23 shots on Keith Kincaid, but they lost this game five to one, and uh, there were no empty netters in that one. So that was Kincaid giving up five goals, um, one of them shorthanded, one of them on the power play. Uh, so not, and, and from the sounds of coach Bouchard after the game, not happy with that performance, particularly coming off of a shutout on Saturday, Rick. So, um, as, as has been the theme for you and Joe on the Canadians connection podcast all season, when referencing the Montreal Canadians who have had a roller coaster season, as you've been predicting, they would since the beginning of the season, Laval continues to have that. I mean, they prior to this, they had a, a five game losing streak. Then they won five games. Then they lost two. Now, um, then they won one. Now they lost one. There, the consistency and the up and down isn't month to month, week to week. It's even day to day. Um, and uh, it's hard to it's hard to say if they're going to be able to put things together to to remain competitive in a playoff push. Yeah, they on uh, the first game, uh, the Saturday game, uh, Saturday afternoon game that that you mentioned, Manitoba Moose uh, just looked sleepy and and um, they took a lot of penalties and um, and never really got into it. As you said, you know they're averaging five and a half shots a, a period. The Moose that is, and and so uh, Primo wasn't um, uh, tested at all. Um, and and Comrie was um, was not great, um, and it's and it's, uh, I mean Comrie's not, his numbers aren't bad as far as his uh, goals against and save percentage, um, but of the the seven starts he's had, he's only won one game. Um, he seems to to uh, let in goals at the bad, at a bad time, and and is not getting a lot of uh, run support when he's in there. Um, and certainly didn't that game. And, and I think you saw um, a, a better reflection of, of the moose on, on Sunday's game. And uh, Laval just didn't have anything, um, any kind of reply. They seemed um, a bit gassed. So, um, you know, with Laval, it's, it's, um, I guess what I'm wanting wanting to see is that player that um, those players that we saw last year. We wanted wanted to see progression through the year. Um, yeah. 
you know, the uh, Jake Evans had a had kind of a breakout season last year. Uh, we're looking for progression, uh, and he had a really bad start. He's kind of made up ground, and and he's kind of uh, brought himself even to where he was. I think in terms of points and games um, relative to last year, but we're not seeing the progression there yet. Uh, right. Josh Brook, um, same, you know, Josh Brook had uh, just a handful of games last year. But we're looking to see from the start to we're, we're, we're halfway through the season and we want to see uh, some progression there. And, and, and it's with the prospects that we're anxious to see progression. And, and um, with so many, so many veterans, so many veterans with NHL experience and with AHL experience in the lineup, um, it's really hard for any of the true prospects to get traction. Um, you've got, Mm-hmm. You got um, guys with NHL uh, experience. You've got uh, a bunch of ECH ECHL guys that are uh, in the lineup, and um, you want to see the 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 Canadians' prospects getting getting the priority. And we haven't seen that yet. And and as you say, the priority seems to be the 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 Laval Rocket are kind of on the right on the edge of of being a playoff team, and it seems like. Um, that's where the focus is to make sure that there's playoff hockey in Lavelle. Absolutely. Well, you you mentioned Josh Brook. We spoke about Josh Brook at length last weekend uh, on last week's show, uh, particularly because uh, with a, as, as many were surprised to see with three games in three days, um, Josh Brook was a healthy scratch for the first two games of those three last weekend. Um, as he was displaced by Christian Folan coming back into the lineup. Um, again, there, is, there being the emphasis of put in the guy in the lineup who's got the NHL experience, who's got a lot of experience, who can help the team win because we're right on the edge of a playoff position as opposed to the prospect who still has a lot of learning to do um, and needs to be able to have some time and space to make mistakes and learn from them and correct them. But we don't have time for that right now, it seems. So he was a healthy scratch for the first two games of last week, um, came into the third game last week. Uh, I believe unexpectedly, I don't know that he was supposed to play, um, but he, he did end up playing on Sunday. He played in both games this weekend, but again, wasn't supposed to. Um, he was, according to Anthony Marcotte, was not slated to play on Saturday. And then a couple of hours before puck drop, it uh, turned out that William Peltier uh, was not feeling well and needed to come out of the lineup. And so, interestingly, instead of now keep in mind with uh, with Pekka down, there's we're running into for the first time Laval's having to deal with the AHL's veteran role. And so Yannick Veyo was the victim of that both games this weekend. Again, I find that to be a curious decision. Uh, Yannick Veyo has been nothing but a points producer since they signed him a, a few weeks ago. Um, yet he's the one that takes a seat in the press box for the veteran role, both games this weekend. Um, so, William Peltier comes out of the lineup due to, I guess, illness. Um, it wasn't actually announced, but it was just uh, mentioned that he wasn't feeling well. Um, and so Antoine Waken was a healthy scratch. 
um, who could certainly come in in Peltier's place, place Ralph Kademi. Um, and interestingly enough, he chose Josh Brook to come in as the seventh defenseman and play on the right wing of the fourth line. Um, to which, I mean, my head spun off my shoulders. Um, and yes, before everyone start all of the, you know, I'm going to show you people out there. Um, I am aware that Josh Brook played right wing for almost half a season one year in his junior year. So I understand that he has experience doing it. Um, but why you chose, why, why choose a defenseman again, to me that, that echoes Bouchard's looking to win games, not looking at development. So for whatever reason, doesn't want to play Waked. Uh, and so says Josh Brook, you have right wing experience. I'm going to put you in as the seventh defenseman. You're going to play on the fourth line. Okay. And he did all right in that first game on Saturday. Well, Sunday rolls around, and wouldn't you know, Joel Bouchard does the exact same thing. Josh Brook in the lineup, seventh defenseman, playing right wing on the fourth line. And, of course, as, as, as it goes, uh, Josh Brook scored the only goal that the Laval Rockets scored that day. Uh, on the power play, he was all alone. Uh, to the right of Berdine's crease and uh, Phil Veroni found him through the slot through traffic with a nice pass and, and Josh Brooks finished, finished into basically an open net. Um, so yeah, I, great for Josh Brook. And I'm sure that he'd rather be playing than sitting in a press box like he was the, the week before, but Rick, you know, and, and <laughs> there have been uh, those in the media, of course, on, this weekend who have seen people be genuinely concerned about um, this is not what we're supposed to be developing this player to do. So why are we playing him in this manner for two games? And and there were those in the media who said, you know, it's just silly. This is just silly. Uh, a couple of games playing forward isn't going to, to hurt Josh Brooks development. Um, but that's not the point, right? Well, uh, listen. There's there's lots of people who who pretend who who are pretenders, and they they just don't know um, uh, what they're talking about. They don't they don't understand. They don't they don't talk to these these uh, um, these prospects. Um, you know. Other than when they're when they're in scrums and and giving their their canned messages, they don't talk to them um, off the record about their mindset and and all of those kinds of things. And um, it's confusing. It's it's very confusing. Um, and and guys are always second guessing and trying to figure out if they're doing right and if they're doing and what the coach wants from them and and what kind of message is this sending to Josh Brook. Um, Josh Brook is, uh, you know, right from, uh, and and this was the way he played in junior too. He's a he's a mobile offensive defenseman. Um, sometimes he's he's overly aggressive. Um, sometimes he he doesn't make good decisions as far as uh, when to involve himself, uh, uh, when to pinch, all of those kinds of things sometimes doesn't make uh you know has trouble with with setting gaps and 
um, and gets beat that way. Those are the kinds of things that Josh Brooke needs to work on every single game. He needs to be put in all kinds of positions, both power play, penalty kill, um, and, and work those through in the AHL if he is a true prospect uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, yes, Kale Fleury passed him on the, the depth chart, but I, I don't think, um, you know, the, the things that he has to work on are things that, that he could be uh, taught and helped with and, and um, um, you know, both by the coaching staff and, and by uh, some of the vets that uh, are on the team. Um, but he learns nothing. He learns absolutely nothing um, by putting him uh, as, as an extra forward, a, a Mark Strike forward kind of thing. Um, it's silly. Um, and, and does it affect him? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. It affects his mindset. Did it affect Caden uh, uh, Primo's mindset when he was called up, when he was playing poorly in the AHL? Yes, it did. Um, and it sets un it sends uh, confusing messages and it sets unrealistic expectations and um, this this is this is a mess that they're creating with with uh, Josh Brook and listen we've heard before um, prospect after prospect after prospect come to us and and say finally after so many months of confusion. Uh, they went to to management and said, L- L- "What's the plan for me?" And and the answer has always been, "Oh, oh, we gave up on you so many months ago. We we, you know, uh, so and and is is that's is that what's happening with Josh Brook already? Um, Josh Brook isn't beyond uh, learning, isn't beyond repairing his game, improving his game, right. um, but to to sit him for the three and three, um, particularly that first game. And people said it, it, you know, it didn't mean anything. Well, sitting him the first game, sitting him the third game wouldn't have meant nothing, but sitting him the first game meant a lot. And then right. obviously it is uh, something that's something going on, something they don't like, some message, some punishment, something that they're trying to send because then the following week he's put into this silly position of, of, of playing a, a, a forward on the fourth line. And, um, you know, yes, the uh, Laval Rocket have a veteran rule to, to deal with. And, uh, but but if, if, if you embrace the fact that the AHL is a development league and that's your prime focus, then you place those prospects first and you fit everybody else in. And and yes, there may be somebody left out, or but but you don't mess around with your prospects and 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 put them in that kind of position. And and listen, that the the one of the reasons that the Manitoba Moose had trouble generating offense um, when when they really weren't um, um, you know into the game, they were as I said, they were a bit sleepy. But you have the likes of of a Folan and Olsner and Willette on the back end. Um, and, and Evan McEnany, who's, who's a kind of a veteran AHL player. Um, it's, it's tough. Um, our, our, our Folan and, and Willette and Olsner, the, the kind of players that we want to see in the uh, NHL lineup. No, of course not. But they, 
are pretty effective clogging things up at the AHL level. Uh, but are any of the names that I mentioned, um, you know, prospects or, or do they have a future with the Montreal Canadiens? Of course they don't. Uh, and that's why uh, y- you have to focus on the prospect, put them in, let them learn, uh, let them make mistakes uh, and help them, help them. Uh, and we haven't seen a lot of that uh, this season. Now, at the, well, I don't want to say at the other end of the ice, but different position completely is goaltending. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Primo earning his third shutout of the season on Saturday. Keith Kincaid, not having as great of a time on Sunday in that five to one loss. Um, and that now gives Kincaid, uh, in Kincaid's nine starts um, with Laval, three wins, five losses, one overtime loss. Um, his save percentage is, is below 900. Uh, his goals against are creeping up towards the three number. Um, it has not been a... Uh, a <laughs> if... If for, we don't really know, of course, because uh, there's all of the, you know, not being very transparent with a an NHL team that says that they're going to be all about transparency. But if Claude Julian had the idea that he was going to send Keith Kincaid down so that he could find his game again and bring him back up, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Keith Kincaid has not looked good. He did not look good on Sunday. There were a couple of goals that he definitely would have wanted back. Um, and uh, Coach Bouchard is is echoing that as well. Uh, he's he put uh, he he placed a lot of the blame for for Sunday's loss uh, squarely on the shoulders of Keith Kincaid as well. Not not all of it, but uh, you know that the goaltender needed to be better. Um, so it seems. <laughs> Well, and it it even looked after the fourth goal went in, Caden Primo was seen getting up and starting to get his gear on like he was going to come in in relief. And then after kind of an extended hesitation, like what's happening, Bouchard motioned to him at the other end of the ice to to, to stay where he was. Uh, and and it's been reported that after the game, he said that he he considered putting Primo in, but that he didn't feel that that would be a good situation to put the young. Uh, goaltending prospect into so instead left Keith Kincaid out there um, to finish the game so Rick it's um, this Keith Kincaid signing is continuing to have ill effect um, within the entire organization well the the um, I think the plan was to to send him down and and when he was sent down it was said that exactly what what you said would to find his game he was going to get a lot of minutes he wasn't playing enough in Montreal so he needed to work on his game but I think the intent was to send him down and then everyone would promptly forget about the poor signing um and and that's essentially what's what's happened because people don't pay a clo- very close attention including the media to um uh the AHL and they've completely forgotten about Keith Kincaid. Um, and it was, a, a, as we said at the time, it was a dreadful signing. 
Um, and 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 yes, he's he hasn't looked good. Um, um, but you know, the, the other issue is that that Caden Primo um, hasn't looked good either. Um, and and there's still all kinds of of folks that are talking about bring him up and recall him. He needs this season, next season, at least in the AHL. Uh, you look at, at his past dozen starts or so, and in those past dozen starts, he has three shutouts. That is primo. Um, but, um, it, and, and that's great. That's, that's wonderful, helped by the fact that there's so much um, NHL experience on the blue line. But also, um, you, in those 12 starts, there are uh, the the majority of the well the vast majority of the rest are uh, games where he's given up five goals goals against of five oh seven of four five fifteen five twelve five five fifteen five all of those in those twelve starts and that game that you mentioned where he was in for um, five shots he gave up three goals and he has a nineteen in in his goals against uh, for that short time that he was in. Uh, so he's he's trying to figure out his game as well, and 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 that's not surprising because it takes goaltending goaltenders a long time to um, to work things out. But um, did did Keith Kincaid need to be there? Um, no, um, Michael McNiven could have easily been there, and, yeah. and that could have been the tandem. Um, and with um, you know. Uh, uh, there's no pressure on on Caden Primo because he knows he knows quite clearly Keith Kincaid isn't going to provide him any kind of of competition no. uh, for his job. Michael McNiven that would have been a quite a, a different story. Um, right. So it's it's um, it's the, the goaltending situation uh, in the organization as we've talked about before has been a bit of a mess. It really has, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they continue with this alternating goaltending uh, as we get through January and into February, um, because the question has to be put out there: if if the goal at this point for the AHL team this season is do whatever it takes to make the playoffs. Um, are they really going to run the? Are, are they if if Kincaid continues to play like this, are they going to risk losses with him in net? And would they start riding Primo hard and start giving him the bulk of the starts? Uh, I will put a big question mark on that. You never know with this coach. Um, and if that is the true goal, now we don't know that. But but if it, it's indicating that um, I don't know that that's great for Caden Primo's development either. Um, so we will, that's a lot of pressure on him. Um, lots of, <laughs> that's a lot of ripple effect there. So we will keep an eye on it for sure. The, the Laval rocket have three games this week. Uh, we'll see, we'll see if, if we're going to continue that alternating goaltending um, as things progress. Um, I do want to switch over to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms here for a bit. Um, they, on the other hand, we've lamented for the Phantoms the last uh, months, 
or six weeks uh, that they had really dug themselves into a hole at one point, just probably within the last two weeks, they were in last place in the Atlantic division. And they are, let me tell you what, they're scratching and clawing. They are still just in seventh place, but they, they've put themselves six points ahead of Bridgeport, uh, who was still occupying last place in the division. And they're only four points behind Wilkes-Barre, who's four, just four points ahead of them in seventh place, uh, in sixth place. Um, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are currently on a five-game winning streak, which all started with that shutout by Alex Lyon against the Laval Rocket. Uh, about a week and a half ago. And as we have kindly noted to um, the media folks with the Phantoms, uh, it was, uh, you and I were in the building that night. Uh, and as long as we have covered every game since then, they keep winning. So I think, we, I, I think, I think we might be a bit of a lucky charm. <laughs> no question. Um, absolutely. So five games in a row. In fact, last weekend, as we mentioned, they had back-to-back shutouts, Laval, and then uh, they shut out Cleveland the following day. And then this past week, uh, they beat Syracuse on home ice on Wednesday night. Uh, We were in the building for their uh, victory over the Binghamton Devils, snapping Binghamton's eight-game win streak. Uh, That came to a crashing halt on Friday night in Allentown when uh, the Phantoms uh, beat them four to one. Um, and then they went on and they faced Rochester on Sunday, uh, excuse me, on Saturday, Rochester being one of the top teams in the North division, very formidable opponent. And, uh, they handily, Oh, shut them out four to nothing. (laughs) It's three shutouts in five games for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, five game winning streak, uh, Rick, they are just—they're on a tear, and the momentum is yeah, going in the right direction. Playing good defense, getting good goaltending. Uh, as you said, three shutouts uh, in those uh, five games. Uh, the other game against Binghamton, just giving up one goal, and and the, that that back-to-back Friday and Saturday against Binghamton, as you said, who had won eight in a row, then against the powerhouse that is the the Rochester Americans. Um, uh, to come out of that w- weekend with um, with two pretty dominant wins, uh, that's got to feel pretty good for Scott Gordon and and uh, and the team. Absolutely. Now they have three divisional um, games coming up this week, all on the road. They play in Providence against the Bruins uh, on Wednesday and on Friday before finishing out the week before the All Star break by visiting Hartford, uh, number one overall in the Eastern Conference, Hartford at 55 points. Uh, So it's a tough test for them on the road against uh, three teams that are all above them in the division. But as you said, the defense has been good. The goaltending has been decent. Uh, Alex Lyon, of course, got that shutout uh, against Laval before he got called up uh, to replace an injured Carter Hart. Uh, So he is up with the Flyers. That means J.F. Barube is the guy in Lehigh Valley right now. He's gotten the rest of the starts ever since Lyon got called up. Um, Felix Sandstrom is up from the ECHL as the backup goaltender. He has not started yet. Uh, We'll see if Gordo feels that this week, uh, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, is the time for him to test him out or if they'd rather stick with, uh, you know, 
Barube in net, but he's been, he's been very good. Um, and some of the things that we noticed on Friday, um, Isaac Ratcliffe scored a goal, actually had a multi-point game that night, goal and an assist, really, really nice assist um, earlier in the evening uh, on uh, Vorobiev's goal. Um, and we spoke with him afterwards, and, and Rick, it was, you know, we've, we've spoken about Isaac Ratcliffe quite a bit, um, even on the Canadian side of things, because of, of his play in junior with, with Nick Suzuki. But um, you look at a rookie who is a big guy. He's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, something like that, big, big kid. Uh, hasn't put up a lot, ton of points yet this season, but, but had a great game on, on Friday. And just talk a little bit about how, how he looked on the ice but even more importantly, the maturity level and the mindset of, of this young man when we spoke to him afterwards for such a young, for such a young player. Well, uh, listen, Isaac Radcliffe was um, a, a dominant player in junior hockey. Um, his, his last two seasons um, uh, with Guelph um, it, it, a 41 goal season and then a 50 goal season. Um, he's, he's a goal scorer um, and, and intimidating. And, and that line uh, for Guelph uh, with Nick Suzuki uh, basically playing the setup role and Isaac Radcliffe, um, they were, they were absolutely dumb and, and right through into the playoffs as well. And, and uh, uh, so when, uh, Radcliffe um, came to Lehigh Valley, and th- there was uh, a lot of expectations of him. Uh, we saw him um, starting out on the fourth line a-, a fair bit at the beginning of the season, and um, he wasn't looking the, the like the same player. And I think there was, um, you know, we certainly had questions about whether it was a skating issue. As you said, he's a, he's a big guy, six six, two hundred pounds. Um, and 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 I don't see that. I I see him being a pretty strong skater for his size. What mm-hmm. I did see um, was a guy that had to get used to playing a different game. And and whereas he could be um, physically imposing in junior hockey and just park himself in front of the net um, and stay there without much of a struggle, um, in at 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 the AHL level, he was. Uh, you know, there were guys. Uh, uh, particularly uh, older guys that were were his size or were giving him and 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 he had a, to adjust his game and and that's what I saw um, just uh, as an observer um, and then uh, we had the chance to speak to him on the weekend and uh, he basically confirmed all of that um, and uh, I thought it was um, he's 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 very bright um, very well spoken very articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously gone through some introspection as, as, as he, you know, sees the big picture him himself, what made him successful in junior hockey and, and the, the challenges he's facing at the pro level. Um, and he said basically, um, all of that, that he's, he's finding that he has to, uh, adjust his game. Um, he's, um, uh, you know, he, he has to, uh, be stronger. Um, he has mm-hmm. to uh, use his size, uh, uh, but he has to be 
aware that that there's going to be some pushback when he tries to do that. Um, all of which he didn't face in junior face in junior hockey, but he is now. And and um, right. I really thought it was for for a guy um, his age, um, uh, just 20 years old. Uh, he's he's really got a great handle on on who he is, uh, what makes him successful, and how he has to um, adapt his game now that he's uh, he's playing in the pros. Absolutely. And he did say that multiple times. He said, you know, what I, what I could do in junior, um, I can't do here in, in the AHL. I'm playing against older guys, guys who are already my size or bigger. Um, and he said repeatedly, the thing I have to do is what I've been doing all season, watching a lot of video and working on the small details of my game. Most importantly, um, protecting the puck, digging the puck out on board battles, and making sure that he is the strongest one in front of the net and in the corners, in the dirty areas. Um, and so he's happy to be working on, as he calls it, those small details of his game. And he said, you know, as I start to put those things together, hopefully the points will start coming. But he actually also said, even if the points don't come, I'm okay with that this season because I'm working on those small details of my game. And I know it's just going to make me better next year. Um, I thought that was a very mature answer. He's not worried about chasing stats as far as points on the board. He wants to perfect his game to play hockey at the professional level and make an impact so that maybe he has a shot at the NHL next year. Um, Very mature. Scott, go go ahead. Very, very smart. Just going to support what you said and, and, and that, that fans often, um, you see fans, whether it's goaltending or whether it's uh, these young uh, skaters that um, they'll post something on, on social media um, that are, are n- nothing but stats, uh, goal, basic, basic, basic stats, whether it's goals and assists or um, for goaltenders, uh, save percentage or wins or, or um, goals against. Um, and, and that's not, that's that's not what's um, important in a learning uh, environment, and and the AHL is a learning environment, and yeah. it's it's so good to see. You don't always uh, see a, a young player so clear about what they have to do that that all the focus is on the process uh, that they they um, they have to do the right things, and 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 it's not setting benchmarks in terms of points or goals or, or any of those kinds of things. Um, thought it was, was, uh, you know, great insight into, um, how he's, how he's preparing himself, um, to become a professional hockey player. Absolutely. And Scott Gordon echoed, uh, a lot of that in, in the post game presser. Then right after that, he, he spoke very highly of Ratcliffe. He's, he's pleased with his progression. He's pleased with how he's coming along. Um, and actually credited both him and Maxim Sushko, who's uh, Gordon called Maxim Sushko the most consistent player that they've had uh, in the last uh, handful of games. Uh, really happy with his youth movement and, and how the young guys are doing. And I should mention that one of those guys who's doing really well, who Scott Gordon also mentioned, was German Rupsoff. Uh, and Ruby then found himself, uh, he had a great, uh, had a great weekend, uh, had some, had some points on the board 
uh, this past weekend, and it earned him a call-up to the Flyers. Uh, Michael Rothwell still going to be held out of tonight's game against Pittsburgh. And so, um, according to uh, our, our colleague Bill Meltzer with the, uh, with the Flyers, um, folks in the Flyers organization have been paying attention. In fact, we saw when we were there on Friday night covering the Phantoms game, Chuck Fletcher was in the press box that night watching his farm team since the Flyers weren't playing. Um, and according to the Flyers, they feel Rupsoff has been the Phantoms' most consistent player for the last four to five games and knew that he could slot in in place of Raffle if Raffle couldn't go tonight, which has now been confirmed. And so uh, Ruby's going to play tonight. Um, I was impressed not only for German Rupsoff, he's, you know, he's had a slow start uh, and some stumbles uh, with some injury and so forth this season is another one who's finding his game again, just like um, Bunneman has been able to do. Twarinski's had flashes here and there. Andrioff's been able to do it. Um, Morgan Frost has been able to do it. And Rupsoff is the latest to do it. But I really liked hearing that, you know, the Flyers are saying, okay, uh, we know he's been a big impact, consistent player for the last four to five games. We think he can do what Michael Roffel can do. Let's bring him up. Uh, he might not be here very long, but let's bring him up and see what he can do. Um, I like that approach. I, it's I funny wish because other... <laughs> on, on the, the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, Joe Whalen, uh, the aforementioned Joe Whalen, uh, and I do a live podcast every uh, Saturday at one o'clock focused on the Montreal Canadians. And um, we were talking about the um, draft picks uh, that go back uh, draft picks, uh, first round draft picks between 2011 and 2016. And, um, and even going back further in the Montreal Canadiens side, um, what you see when you look at the first round draft pick year by year, by year, by year, beside their name is traded. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens um, and, and mostly Mark Bergevin have traded a lot of their first round picks, at least um, dispatched them from the organization. When you look at the Flyers by comparison, uh, and we did this on Saturday, uh, you look at 2011 and you have Couturier, who's, who's obviously um, playing a big role. They're, they're uh, essentially the first line center. Um, Scott Lawton uh, in 2012, Sam Moran injured. Uh, we've spoken about uh, his injury and injury situation. Um, he was selected in 2013. Travis Sanheim, terrific defenseman in uh, 2014. In t- uh, t- 2015, they had two first-round picks, Provorov, the, the Flyers' number one defenseman, uh, Konechny, who's uh, a number one winger, and... 2016 was Rupsov, um, and at that point we said, you know, that he had made in made it into a handful of NHL games, but uh, was currently progressing in the AHL, and now he's also uh, been called up. So pretty successful, uh, not only dra- as I as I've said many times, uh, it's not only drafting, uh, but it's development, and you have to have an organization that's focused on development, uh, not not necessarily and and development and and winning doesn't isn't necessarily the same thing and third it's that transitioning to uh the nhl and uh the coaching staff has obviously uh done very well doing that for the uh, philadelphia flyers as they have um you know a whole slate of first round picks um uh, from the past few years in their lineup right now 
Absolutely. And I'm sure it, it injects a lot of energy and confidence in prospects when they see how Vigneault and Fletcher um, operate, particularly this season. Um, it's been a constant revolving door of prospects up and down, up and down, up and down. So that's not because they're undecided. It's because they're trying their prospects in all sorts of different uh, scenarios, in all kinds of different situations, uh, sometimes just for a couple of games at a time, and they go back down or they need them for one particular thing, and then they send them back down um, so that a call-up and a send-down isn't all doom and gloom. Um, to me, the impression is more that you know they see how often prospects are getting called up. Um, they know that their turn is probably right around the corner. They just need to keep doing the right things. And many times I would imagine they're being sent back down with a positive message of, okay, we like X, Y, and Z now work on a, B and C and we'll see you again soon. Um, and I think that's a, a, a very effective method of development. I think it's an effective way to begin transitioning to the NHL, little bits and pieces, putting them up in positions uh, where they, they feel they would have success. The player still has to do the work, but the organization is giving them the tools to get the work done. Um, so congratulations to German Rupsoff. He will be playing tonight against uh, Pittsburgh. That is a home game in Philadelphia. Uh, if you're, if you're, don't have anything else to watch tonight since hockey's winding down for all-star break. I would recommend tuning into that one because it's always going to be a nasty affair between those two teams. With that, we are going to take one quick break. And on the other side, when we come back, we're going to go around the AHL and tell you, uh, hmm, I wonder who the AHL player of the week is this, this week. Um, well, we've got that answer for you. So don't go anywhere. We've got that and more right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to find us on Twitter. That's the place you'll want to follow along with us all week long. That is at the AHL Report. You'll get live game coverage for Lehigh Valley Phantoms games, Laval Rocket games, other information about the AHL. You'll get our game recaps there, exclusive videos, audio uh, Chris G has his uh, notepad that comes out uh, every once in a while. So you don't want to miss anything by following the AHL report on Twitter. Now I mentioned this before the break. Uh, of course, it's that time when we talk about the AHL 
and who they've determined is the player of the week this week. And I have to say this one probably was one of the easiest weeks for them to select. Uh, This was a bit of a no-brainer. Justin Bailey, Utica Comets forward, is the player of the week for this week. Justin Bailey had himself, Rick, quite a week last week, and we even uh, mentioned it and we're talking about it as the week was progressing. It was that significant. Um, Utica is is tearing things up in the North Division right now. They are at the t- t- uh, battling with Belleville at the top of the division. Um, after having kind of a slow start to the season, they've really uh, come on full force here. Justin Bailey has been a big part of that for the past week for them. Six goals, eight points in three games uh, this past week. Now, six goals. Might need to mention that those six goals came as a result of two hat tricks taking place on back-to-back games. Uh, And he had an assist in, in their win on Saturday. So this is the first time in I believe almost nine years in the AHL that a player has um, recorded hat tricks in back-to-back games Uh, so that's um, I I think that's that's pretty worthy of being the player of the week (laughs) but the the AHL is no fun because they've 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 bracketed um, those games when yes he had two um, hat tricks back to back, but if you go from, you take a different bracket. You go from January 10th to January 17th. That's one uh-huh. week, a different week than than they've selected. January 10th to January 17th, uh, one week, four games, and you add in another hat trick. He had a, a hat trick on. He had hat trick on the 10th. A hat trick right. on the on the 15th and a hat trick on the 17th, three hat tricks in four games, uh, three hat trick, uh, nine goals, uh, 10 points, uh, in the period of a week. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Who does he um, think he is? It, Alex Ovechkin? Well, it's, and if you look at, at, uh, Utica, um, in the top 12 scorers in the, um, in the AHL, of course, Reed Boucher has been, um, uh, leading oh, for yeah. some time, but they have four players in the top 12. That is uh, the Utica Comets. Reed Boucher at the top, um, uh, Cole Lind, uh, Brogan Rafferty, and then uh, Justin Bailey. Uh, all of them in the top 12 in scoring in the uh, the AHL. Uh, so they're having no trouble putting um, uh, pucks in the net uh, in Utica right now. No, they are not. Uh, we're going to talk about the standings here in just a minute, and, and Utica is certainly a force to be reckoned with right now. Um, now, we did mention, of course, that the All-Star break is coming up. That will take place. Uh, don't forget the AHL skills competition will take place on Sunday night, and the All-Star game will take place on Monday night. You can see that on TSN in Canada or NHL Network in the U.S. Um, taking place in... Um, Oh, Ontario, California, where I believe it's going to be in the low 70s uh, this this coming weekend. So uh, I imagine it's going to be uh, quite enjoyable <laughs> for all involved. Uh, should be great weather. Um, 
rosters are continuing to change, though, because, of course, uh, players who were selected may either be injured, they might be up with their NHL teams and not available. Uh, in fact, the AHL announced today that Hartford's Igor Shesterkin, Springfield's Chris Dreiger, Hershey's Mike Scarbosa, Cleveland's Nathan Gerby, and Toronto's Rasmus Sandin all will be unavailable for the event. And so that means five other players have been selected to replace them as of today. And those would be Charlotte Checkers goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic, Hershey Bears goaltender Vitek Vanacek, and Hartford Wolfpack forward Vinny Letary. They have all been added to the Atlantic Division team roster. Belleville Senators forward Josh Norris and the Cleveland Monsters defenseman Adam Clendenning have been added to the North Division roster. So some updates for the All-Star game. It's going to be fun. The jerseys aren't great, but but it's going to be fun. Uh, So I highly recommend you watch it. Of course, the NHL skills and All-Star will be on Friday and Saturday. So gives you no reason not to check out the AHL competition. It is really a lot of fun, and you get to see some of the really bright stars from around the American Hockey League. Um, And speaking of fun, Rick, there's, you know, I saw so many really, I I need to make it a point next year to watch the KHL All-Star Skills Competition because um, they are absolutely outrageous with the antics that they have going on over there. But you had, uh, you had, one particular moment that that really stood out that some of our listeners might be uh, kind of interested to hear about. Well, um, um, some of our listeners uh, might remember um, defenseman Darren Dietz, former prospect of the Montreal Canadiens, selected fifth round 2011 um, and played in Hamilton um, and even got up for uh, 13 games with uh, with the big club played uh, the uh, the first season in St. John's uh, and then um, uh, play, had a stop in Hershey and um, and went off to the KHL and has been uh, remarkable. One of the top defensemen for the last couple of years uh, in the KHL. And um, so kept an eye on him and, and uh, one of our listeners, uh, Kathy, and I both share a love of, of all things Darren Dietz. And she sent me um, a video of uh, the the KHL All Star competition. I guess this was the shootout uh, competition, and and you know we've seen it in the NHL where props are used um, in the shootout. Uh, well, Darren Dietz went all out, and he had a a costume with um, uh, like a cape and sideburns. And prior to him taking his uh, his shootout shot. Um, he recited um, in Russian um, a famous poetry by uh, Alexander Pushkin, and Alexander Pushkin, oh. one of the one of the greatest Russian playwrights and 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 fathers of of Russian literature, and so uh, it went over very well, and he got um, quite an <laughs> ovation. Uh, some um, uh, amusing looks from uh, Coach Bob Hartley. Um, and, uh, yes, he, he, uh, <laughs> his, his Russian, I guess, uh, uh, was passable and, uh, and, uh, yes, after his poetry reading, he went on to, uh, score a shootout goal. So quite a hit <laughs> and quite a production, uh, for, uh, Darren Dietz and, he, and uh, qu- uh, quite a, 
uh, he's he's uh, again he's uh, uh, the captain of his team in in the KHL and and uh, nine goals, seventeen assists for twenty six points in forty three games so far this season. Fantastic, love it. I'm going to mark my calendar. I'm watching the KHL Skills Competition next year for sure. Before we take a quick look at the league standings, I just wanted to mention a piece of breaking news from the AHL that I imagine will make it into uh, the topic of a lot of even NHL conversation perhaps uh, over the past week or over the upcoming week, I should say. Uh, The uh, the AHL announced a new suspension this afternoon, um, and uh, Flyers and Phantoms fans will know the name Brandon Manning. Uh, Brandon, of course, no longer playing in the Eastern Conference, uh, plays now for the Bakersfield Condors defenseman. Uh, He was handed a a five-game suspension today uh, as a consequence of his actions in a game at the Ontario Reign yesterday. Um, And apparently, Manning was suspended after being assessed a game misconduct and what warranted him getting a game misconduct and then a subsequent uh, five-game suspension? Well, apparently uh, there was use of a racial slur toward an opponent on the ice that I imagine one of the refs caught um, or someone caught word of. Um, Edmonton assistant GM, this is according to our friend and colleague Patrick Williams, uh, Edmonton assistant GM Keith Gretzky said in a statement released by the organization that, quote, this is a very serious matter. We are disappointed by Brandon's comment, and we fully support the American Hockey League's decision. Um, So uh, imagine that will be a hot topic of conversation around hockey circles this coming week. Uh, Unfortunate for uh, Mr. Manning. Um, Not sure the context of the incident, but just sending along some breaking news as it happens. Uh, With that, we should just take a quick look at the standings because my goodness, uh, races are just tight everywhere. As we mentioned in the Atlantic division, Hartford is still at the top, but uh, for the Atlantic division, but my goodness, Hershey has not gone away. They are tied with Hartford for that first overall position in the division of 55 points. Charlotte is just a few points behind them. Providence, just a few points behind that. Uh, And as we mentioned, the bottom, um, Lehigh Valley, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, they're kind of battling there for for seventh and sixth position. We'll see if Lehigh Valley can keep that win streak going. Um, But Hartford and Hershey, um, Charlotte seems to be trying to make a push to, to, to get into that top spot as well as Providence. So those will be some important games for Lehigh Valley to play this week in the North. uh, Utica is still at the top of the league. However, they're tied and currently in second place. uh, Technically they have the same amount of points as the Belleville senators, but Belleville actually has a better winning percentage. So Belleville sitting at the top of the division, Uh, Rochester is six points behind both of them. Uh, Toronto has really slipped. Uh, Toronto has not had a good run of it here the last couple of weeks, and they are currently tied for fourth place with Laval, but Laval has the lower winning percentage of the two. So Laval is currently in fifth place, but for points tied with Toronto in fourth place. Syracuse, however, has also done some pretty spectacular things in the last week or so, and they have really come through they now sit just two points behind Laval in sixth place. 
And guess who's visiting the Bell Center? Uh, the guess who's visiting Plaza Bell tomorrow night? That's right, the Syracuse Crunch. It's going to be a very big matchup for both of those teams. It's going to be ex- an exciting game tomorrow night. Binghamton and Cleveland, of course, uh, still fighting. We mentioned Binghamton went on that eight-game winning streak, got them up to 38 points. So they're currently sitting eight points outside of that fourth place. Um, so still have some work to do, but the, it's tightened up an awful lot uh, in in both divisions in the Eastern Conference. Um, and Rick, it's it's um, well, there's there's some competitiveness in the West as well. Um, particularly in the Pacific, uh, things are a little tighter over there. Um, but I'm happy to see, we had talked at the beginning of the season how San Diego was uh, buried uh, in the Pacific Division. They've actually had a decent run here lately, and they are surged up. They are now uh, just three points out of that fourth-place spot in the Pacific just behind uh, the Ontario rain. So they've been really making a push, but Tucson still leading the Pacific division um, Stockton heat, just two points behind them. And in the central Milwaukee kind of running away with things with 62 points. Uh, Dan Carr, of course, big, big part of, of that movement there. Uh, the Iowa wild um, nine points behind, behind that. So a little bit of catching up to do, but uh that race right there, right through the middle of the central division is kind of anybody's game at this point. Uh, Tucson and Milwaukee, still the class of the AHL, I would say Um, each team still with single digit losses, Um, Milwaukee in 42 games, just eight losses. And um, my goodness. Yeah. They, they've uh, really been doing well. Uh, But the other team I want to kind of um, mention um, is the Charlotte Checkers, and we we talked we yeah. talked about them. They had a rough start, and uh, with almost turning over their entire roster and coaching staff at the beginning of the year, a rough start. And but uh, they're on a five-game winning streak and have won nine of their past ten. So uh, they've put themselves into a playoff position, and and uh, um, you know are are if they play keep playing at this pace, are a serious threat to. Uh, repeat um as a Calder Cup champion. Absolutely. It's uh it's it's been a pretty exciting year uh so far just in the first half of the season for the AHL. The numbers relatively across the board are tight for the playoff contention. So I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, down the stretch here in the second half of the season uh to see how those numbers get jostled around and how teams deal with uh, prolonged injuries and call-ups and, and so on and so forth. So be sure to keep it locked on the AHL report. We'll have all the updates for you. Uh, we are actually going to take one last quick break, and on the other side of it, uh, give you a quick update on what's going on with any potential happenings in Trois Rivières for an ECHL affiliate for the Montreal Canadiens before we let you know where you can find us in a rink this week. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. 
The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report and stay up to date with all of the latest happenings here at Rocket Sports Media. Uh, Rick, just want to very briefly before we wrap things up today, um, the Montreal Canadiens, as we've been speaking about for uh, for quite some time now on this on this program and throughout um, your your show with uh, Joe, the Canadians Connection, and so forth, that the Montreal Canadiens are in dire need of an ECHL affiliate. Not having one again this year is has been detrimental, uh, in our opinion, to uh, development and and depth creation uh, within the organization. And it's a long we've given some updates in the past about how it looked like there was some hope that with the new arena going in in Trois-Rivières that the Habs might have a place to place an ECHL affiliate uh, relatively close to Montreal. Uh, The last time that we had checked in about that, it seemed that the mayor had put the kibosh on all of that, said, no, thank you. Uh, We're not interested. Uh, I'm not even going to take it to city council. I'm just vetoing it and, and have a nice day. Um, but now within the last week, there's been some more development, um, so to speak. No pun intended. What's, what's the latest there? And, and I think that, that after that happened, that there was a lot of unfair criticism of, of the mayor himself, Jean Lamarche, and, and um, uh, they're trying to, to find the best um, um, occupant for their, uh, for their uh, $50 million arena that uh, uh, should be opening in the spring. Um, or completed in the spring and, and, and opening in the summer. Um, the, the proposal that we had heard that the Canadians had supported was coming from uh, Dean McDonald and Glenn Stanford, uh, who are involved with the Newfoundland Growlers. Um, and uh, they had made a couple of visits um, initially as, as perhaps a landing spot for uh, the Newfoundland Growlers, because they were having some trouble with uh, their lease with Mile One Center, but that was worked out. And then the idea was um, uh, discussed that um, Dean McDonald and Glenn Stanford would work on this new project with the Canadians uh, for their ECHL affiliate. They worked with uh, former Canadian Marc Andre Bergeron, who was an envoy for uh, Trois Rivières, to get this deal done. Uh, Jean Lamarche said no, and and um, um, we didn't under, quite understand uh, why, uh, but s- said that they were going with um, with a, a, a university proposal. Um, then this letter appeared from uh, the Montreal Canadiens, a second letter, um, a week back or so. John Sedgwick, the Vice President of Hockey Operations and Legal Affairs, and, and John does mostly the legal work for the Canadiens, and his letter essentially said, um, and he sent it to the mayor and all the councillors, and, and uh, said, um, but uh, we're the Montreal Canadiens, and we said we want it. Um, <laughs> perhaps we weren't clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, perhaps it's kind you of what didn't the get said. the gist of it. <laughs> we, do, do, you, do you know who we are? We're the Montreal Canadiens, and we said we want to be there. So, um, which, which was fine. Um, and the important part of it was uh, the latter part of the letter that said, um, 
we are, are um, want to be the primary partner to work with the proposal that was made by Dean McDonald and Glenn Stanford. And um, the counselors and uh, Jean Lamarche said, well, wait a minute, that's different. Hang <laughs> on here. Because when your proposal came in last time, we, we inquired. And we heard from France Mar- Margaret Boulanger uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. And she said, as the Canadians, we don't want to have anything to do with Dean McDonald or Glenn Stanford. We have no association with them and don't want to have any association with them. We don't support anything they're involved in. So who is France uh, Margaret Boulanger? Well, she just happens to be uh, not on the hockey operations side. She's on the administrative side, but she's the executive vice president and chief commercial officer. She has an executive vice president title just as Mark Bergevin does. She's pretty high up in the organization and said, no, we, we have no interest. And there were some that said, oh, the, the mayor is fooling, you, you know, why would she say that? Well, then more counselors came out and they all said, oh, no, she said it to on many occasions. She said it quite firmly and oh. she said it to all of us. She said it to many people. And, um, you know, they, they said she really muddied the waters because we were kind of liking this proposal, but she... Um, um, <laughs> she messed it up. Uh, Muddy the waters was the word. And they said, well, you know, it's a big organization. Perhaps she is not aware of all the, the files <laughs> and projects that are going on. Um, <laughs> so um, these are two senior people, very senior people in the Montreal Canadiens organization who are sending diametrically opposed messages uh, mm-hmm. They've really messed this one up, and now they're scrambling um, to uh, make sure that that the project is not dead, and uh, and trying to to um, uh, who knows why, who knows where the fault lies, uh, but the Canadians organization um, w- something that should be quite easy. Uh, and that is uh, setting up uh, a, a, an ECHL franchise has been completely um, mismanaged. And uh, let's see if if now with this latest latest attempt uh, from uh, John Cedric, if they can get things back on track again. The question will be: Will this? Will the mayor um, and and the city councilors uh, still be willing to? Okay, let's walk back and 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 find where we were moving forward and the question is if once dean mcdonald's here dean mcdonald hears this is he going to want to uh to continue and say oh well this was news to me that the canadians don't want to work with me or be affiliated with me so so much well apparently ms belanger is not a fan of apparently not Uh, apparently not um oh the drama it continues and we will be sure to keep you updated uh, as we learn more. So, of course, uh, as we're wrapping things up here, it is the last week before the All-Star Game. Uh, Laval, we will have full coverage of Laval this week. Uh, our Chris G will be at Place Bell uh, to grab the post-game audio uh, for 
the Syracuse Crunch game at Plus Bell tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Uh, I'll have the full recap for that on the AHL report afterwards. And then uh, I will also have recaps and coverage uh, coming up this Friday and Saturday as the Rocket travel to Rochester on Friday night. And uh, we will be in the building in Binghamton on Saturday where the Rocket will take on the Binghamton Devils on Saturday night. So, of course, full coverage from the rink as well as post-game audio uh, there as well. Uh, Then... Uh, For the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, as we mentioned, they play in Providence Wednesday and Friday and then Hartford on Saturday. Important games uh, for both organizations throughout this week. Need to finish this week before the All-Star break on a strong note. We'll see if uh, Lehigh Valley can continue to do it, and we'll see if Laval can find some consistent winning and some uh, consistent goaltending. We'll we'll answer all of those questions for you next week uh, when we're back. So, uh, Rick, thanks so much for being here today. Enjoy your popcorn, your pie, whatever it is that you're coming up with. Maybe maybe popcorn pie. I don't I don't know if that's a thing. I don't could be. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks so much for for listening. Thanks for being here with us. We certainly appreciate each and every one of our listeners. We value uh, your input. We value you being here with us every week. And uh, we look forward to being back here next Tuesday for another great episode of From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. Till then, enjoy the week. Enjoy the all-star festivities. We'll see you next week. Keep on.